You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Belinda Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This morning I asked the Lord, what are we going to speak about today, Lord? And the Lord dropped a message in my heart which I believe will change your life forever. The title of my message is, God's Presence Brings Life. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, God's presence brings life. You see, in Exodus 3, we read the story of Moses. And I, when I looked at Moses, I said, Lord Moses, it's August. It's Women's Month. Amen. And the Lord said, this is the person I need you to speak about today. Because you know what? January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December is Women's and Men's Month. Amen. And in the January, women and men should be honored. And every other month of the year, men and women should be honored. Amen. So today's message is based around Moses. In Exodus 3, we see Moses who is shepherding the sheep, his father-in-law Jethro's sheep in the land of Midian. Yeah, he witnesses a burning bush. It's not unusual to have a burning bush in those days. It was a hot desert, and many times bushes would actually catch fire just because of the heat. But what was unusual about this bush is that this bush never stopped burning. Turn to your neighbor and say, the bush never stopped burning. At that burning bush, God meets Moses in a personal way, propelling him into his destiny to lead God's people out of Egypt toward the promised land. What Moses was before the burning bush was nothing compared to what he was after that burning bush. What Moses was before that burning bush was nothing compared to what he was after that burning bush. Today, church, you will be nothing compared to what you will be once you've been in God's presence. Amen? You know, when we come into God's presence, we come one way. But when we leave, we leave another way. Let's read Exodus. Are you ready? Exodus 3 verse 1 to 6. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, when the Lord saw Moses coming to look closer, God called to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. You see, in Moses' first 40 years, he thought he was somebody. With Moses' life can be divided into three sections. In the first 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was somebody. While he lived as the grandson of Pharaoh. In the second 40 years, he discovered he was a nobody while he fled into the desert and lived between shepherds. In the last 40 years of Moses' life, he found out just what God could do with a nobody. Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? When Moses approached that burning bush, 
He was 80 years old. Can you imagine? I said to my husband, I always saw Moses as a young man at the burning bush. What if Moses had died at 79? He would have not fulfilled his purpose for his life. Amen. So I want to tell everyone in this building, until your last breath, your purpose ain't done. Amen. Whether you are 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 150, your purpose is not done until your time on earth is done. Moses was called at 80. Daniel went in the lion's den at 80. Do you know that? What a profound thing to even just think about. God used that 40 years after Moses had killed a soldier in the desert to remove Egypt's influence from him. Moses was leading the sheep and actually in training to walk in his destiny. In that 40 years of silence, while leading the sheep, God was actually preparing him to lead a nation. Don't think God is not there in your times of silence, church. Don't think God is not there in your times where you think nothing is going on because God had sent him to a school of silence among sheep to practice looking after sheep. In every season, God was aware of Moses. In every season, God was aware of Moses. While he was the grandson of Pharaoh, he was aware of Moses. While he was in the basket, he was aware of Moses. While he was in the desert, he was aware of Moses. When he came to the burning bush, God was ready to meet with Moses. Amen? And after that, God was with Moses every single step of his life. In every season in your life, I want to tell you, God is aware of your situation. The Bible says there is no place that you can go from the Spirit or flee from His presence. There is no place on this earth that you can go where God is not aware of you. There is no place on this earth that you can go that God does not see you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God sees you. God wanted to show Moses in those 40 years in the desert what was going on in his heart to prepare him for his destiny. Sometimes, church, we go into a season where it's silent, where God takes time to show us what is going on in our hearts. God did not forfeit his plan when Moses was in the desert. God was still busy with his plan. God is always setting bushes on fire. God is always setting bushes on fire. Are you ready to draw near to catch the fire of his presence? I, I don't think you heard me this morning. God is always setting bushes on fire, even till today. But are you ready to draw near? Moses, yeah, in the scripture it says, Moses said to himself, why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. Have you seen that? Moses says, I must go see it. Why is this bush not burning up? He's, it's a normal bush. It's not burning up. But I want to show you in Scripture, there were a few references to fire. You know, as soon as I start preparing for a service and a, and a word catches me, I start seeing where can I find the word fire in Scripture. And there's so many places in the word that tells us about the fire of God's presence. Yahweh, the consuming fire, was in the burning bush. Yahweh, Yeshua HaMashiach, was in the consuming bush with Moses. A pillar of fire led the Israelites at night in the Sinai desert. The Lord descended on Mount Sinai in fire. A fire kept burning on the altar in the tabernacle. Do you know that? And a fire kept burning on the altar. On the challenge at Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal involved a heavenly fire that consumed a sacrifice. 
the chariot of fire took Elijah to heaven. In the very wilderness where Jesus was tempted is the same wilderness where God came to fetch Elijah. What does that even tell us, church? That tells us that in your desert, in your wilderness, God can actually do something so beautiful. Amen? God's Word, that Bible you are holding, do you know there's a scripture that says it's described as fire? Jeremiah 23 verse 29 says, Is not my word like fire? Is not my word like fire? You want to hold the presence of the Lord? Hold your word. You want to hold the presence of the Lord? You want to hold the fire of God? Read your Bible. It says, Is my word not like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. In Daniel's vision, the throne of the Ancient of Days was flaming with fire. Can you imagine? John the Baptist spoke of the Messiah blazing with fire. And on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire rested on the 120 who took the time to wait on God's presence. Are you part of that 120 that will wait for fire? Are you part of that 120 that's prepared to wait for the fire of God's presence? In Revelations, John describes the Son of God having eyes like blazing fire. Eyes like blazing fire. Can you imagine if the bush were a representation of us, of mankind, and the fire, the presence of God, I want to use just three principles this morning, what we can learn from what we see here. Is that okay? Just three principles. The first one is the fire protected the bush, just like the presence of God in our lives protects us. The fire of God protected the bush, like the fire of God, the presence of God in your life today will protect you. Do you hear what I'm saying? No other form of life, no fungus, no bug, no worm could attach itself to that bush while that bush was on fire. Amen? No hungry goat could come and have a bite to eat while that bush was on fire. Amen? What is the hungry goat in your life, church? Get some fire. Amen? In the same way, no sin in our lives can stand under the presence of the indwelling God. Nothing can stand in our hearts if the fire of God consumes us on the inside of us. So the first thing the fire did was it brought protection. Today, church, I want to assure you the presence of God will bring you protection. The presence of God will hold you and shelter you under the Almighty. The second thing the fire did is it's changed an ordinary bush like that bush with the presence of Jesus into something extraordinary. Today, the presence of Jesus changes us as ordinary people into something extraordinary. Amen? God changes you. His presence changes you into something extraordinary. These bushes were scattered all over the face of the wilderness and were nothing to look at. If you could see a bush standing here, would you take a photo of the bush? Has anybody taken a photo of the bushes outside. Has anybody stopped to make a painting of the bushes outside? The ugly bushes on the other side of the church. <laughs> Amen. 
You see, the flame transfigured the bush until it became the most famous bush in history. The fire of God, amen? It took on a glow, on a glory, but its glory was not its own. Do you get what I'm saying this morning, church? People talk about the bush today. People paint the bush. They preach about the bush. I'm preaching about the bush. Not because it's a great bush, because it was a great fire. Amen? God takes ordinary people like you and me. And by living in us, He transforms us and gives us meaning. God takes an ordinary person like you and transforms you into something beautiful. God did not make the bush great. He simply got in the bush and was great in the bush. God did not make the bush great. He simply got in the bush and then the bush became great. When Jesus Christ takes hold of your life, the first thing He does is give you significance. And this is very important because God dwells in us and we become transfigured by the fire. The fire makes every day, an everyday simple bush beautiful. Psalm 90 verse 17 says in the Passion Translation, O Lord our God, let your sweet beauty rest upon us. Is that not our prayer this morning, church? O Lord my God, let the sweet beauty of your presence rest upon us. Come work in us, and then our works will endure. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? You will give us success in all we do. Can I read that again? Oh, Lord our God, let your sweet beauty rest on us. Can that be our prayer this morning? Can you pray, oh, Lord my God, let the sweet beauty of your presence rest upon me. Come work with me and give us your presence, that we'll have success in all we do. You see, the bush wasn't God, church, and the fire wasn't God. God was in the bush and in the fire, but it was only for that moment. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying this morning. The bush was at the mercy of the fire. The bush was at the mercy of the fire until God holds you and uses you as an extension of His hands. You're not where you should be. Are you at the mercy of the fire? Are you telling the fire what to do with you? I told the band this morning, this morning while I was meditating on the service, the Lord just showed me how we'd made these little shrines, these little idols called self Opinion, <laughs> Amen? Where we've become so opinionated during COVID. And we've made these shrines, these little idols that we've placed on the altar of our life called self-opinion. And God says it's time that we have to break those idols down because God don't share space with a shrine. Amen? Amen? If you want to give the Lord a hand, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen? God does not share space with your opinion. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning, church? Ladies, us ladies, oh my gosh, we have so many opinions. The Lord knows just to deal with my own opinions, I need the Holy Spirit, amen? But we need to place our opinions, our way in God's hands. We don't tell the master how to rule our lives. We don't tell the master after he's given us instruction, no. Who do we think we are? So we need to come to a place 
where we take that shrine and we actually get angry with our own opinion, with me. Because if God says no and you say yes, who do you think you are? Amen? But we've become very opinionated. And this morning I just saw how we have to take it and it's not deliverance. It's not a prayer line. It's not a prayer. It's you taking that shrine of your own opinion and putting it under the blood of Jesus. Amen? Putting it under the blood of Jesus, church. Where you say, God, not my will, your will. God, if you say left, I'm not going to go one right before I go left. I'm going left. God, if you say straight, I'm going straight. If you say stop, God, guess what? I'm stopping because I need the fire to consume this little bush of mine because I need your presence to survive. Amen? And this next part I wrote especially, well, actually God wrote it, especially for young people and everybody in the building this morning, but especially young people because in the last while, the devil has come for the identity of young people. My third point is the bush brought Moses to his knees and let him discover not only God, but his own identity. He discovered who he was at the bush. Everyone has dreams of what they want to do and see themselves based on a limited perspective. Your dreams in your world are based on a limited perspective. This is why, just like Moses, we need to come to the burning bush and discover our identity and God's perspective. Social media has put a perspective on everything. Ladies, young ladies, young gentlemen, on dating, on marriage, on having children, on being together, on leaving each other, on having the right car, the right house, staying in the right place, having the right color of lipstick on at the right moment with the right outfit. Am I speaking to the right people here this morning? That's what social media does. And we cannot find our identity in social media. Social media can be a trap of Satan. I'm telling you, young people, social media can be a trap of Satan. There are devils in social media that want to take you out. And you don't stand there and say, oh, cute, cute, cute. You, you tell that devil, you go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Us as parents, we will stand for our children. Amen. And we will make sure that the devil will not land up with our children. Not on my watch. Amen. Can I hear the parents in the home shout amen? Amen. amen. Not a chance will they take our children. It's not that easy, devil. I'm not buying my knee to you. And you know what? We have got a great God on the inside of us fighting with us. How would your life change if you had an eternal perspective? How would your life change if you had God's perspective of you? Our relationship with the Lord corrects the perspective of how we see ourselves and what we are going through. Can I say that again? Our relationship with God, coming into God's presence, coming into the fire, corrects my perspective of me and what I'm going through. Moses protested to God after hearing what God had said to him. Do you hear in the scripture, he says, but Moses protested to God in verse 11, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead people of Israel out of Egypt? And you know what God says? Look at God's answer. God answered, I will be with you. <laughs> Did he answer him? You see, who am I that you would use me is the wrong question to ask, church. We should be asking, who are you, Lord? Are you asking, who am I? You're asking the wrong question. Your question should be, who are you, Lord? 
If you really want to know your purpose and identity, you need to start by knowing who God is. Young people, you want to know what your purpose and identity is? Start getting to know who God is. Because we are a reflection of who God is. And our destiny and our purpose is locked up in God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your destiny, your purpose is locked up in knowing who God is. Everything prior to Moses' encounter with God left him searching. He was asking maybe, am I Hebrew or am I Egyptian? Am I a shepherd or am I a leader? He could be walking in the desert saying, God, are you there? 40 years, silence. Have you asked questions? Have you asked, who am I? You see, 40 years in a desert? Until you find God, you will never find yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, until you find God, you will never find yourself. Because when you encounter God, tell your neighbor, when you encounter God, your purpose will make sense. Our true identity is tied to this this is where we find our purpose, in the presence of the Lord. This is where we find our purpose, in the presence of the Lord. Do you see why the bush cannot function without the fire? Because He is sovereign, I'm chosen. Because He is our provider, I am able. Because he is the almighty counselor, I have direction and comfort. Because he is merciful and kind, I am forgiven and given yet another chance. Amen. Because he is victorious, I am an overcomer. Because he is father, I am his child. Because he is Emmanuel, I have never to be alone. Because he is love, I am accepted because he is love I am accepted because he is Emmanuel I will never be alone do you see what I'm saying this morning church because he is I am it's not I am because he is we swap it around uh-uh because he is I am ask the right questions and ask the right person the right questions amen your identity and purpose is linked to God's and when you understand who he is, when you understand the presence and the fire of God, then you will understand who you are. When you understand that he is love, you do not have to question if you're forgiven. If you know that he is Abba Father, you know that no matter who has walked out on you, your father will never leave you. When you know who he is, you will know who you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you know who he is, you will know who you are. <laughs> Jesus, because you are, I am. Do you see how important it is to get it right? Not bush and then presence. Presence on the bush. Presence on the bush. The presence gives the bush identity. The presence gives the bush purpose. The presence makes the bush beautiful. The presence gives the bush identity. The presence makes a future for the bush. The presence is what the bush should see itself as. Not social media. 
Social media does not define us. It does not define a relationship. The presence of God defines a relationship. The presence of God defines dating. The presence of God defines a marriage. The presence of God defines children. The presence of God defines my value. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning, church? We should start waking up and saying the presence of God is so crucial in my life that without the presence of God, I cannot survive. Jesus, because you are, I am. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror because of what? He is. You are more than a conqueror because of? What he is. So does it mean if I'm having a bad day, I'm not a conqueror? No, because it's what he is. And he's always a conqueror. If I feel unloved, is that the truth? No, because he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And my love for you will endure for generations to 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 generations. When I feel rejected, am I really rejected? Why? Because God has not rejected you. And your purpose does not lie on anybody else's rejection. Your purpose lies in God. Amen? We have something this world doesn't have, church. We have something this world doesn't have. It's called hope. We have something this world needs. Hope. We have a promise. We have peace. We have joy. Because if this world tells us we're going under, is that the truth? Why? Because it's not who he is. Because my identity is not in what I'm doing here. My identity is in Christ. And if I want to know the truth, I need to go back to the blueprint. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is God through you who is almighty and victorious to conquer. You see, all that we see in Moses, this was something I saw last night, everything we see and admire in Moses was not because we love Moses. It was because we loved the God in Moses. The man who stood boldly in front of Pharaoh was not Moses. It was God in Moses standing boldly before Pharaoh. Moses was not the one standing opening the Red Sea. How can a man do that? How can a bush open a sea? What we saw there was God in Moses. And that's what we loved about Moses. Amen. If you look at your fellow comrades and people around you, what do you actually love in them? If you see anything beautiful in anyone around you, you are actually just seeing God in that person. Amen. You are seeing the beauty of heaven looking at you when somebody loves you. You are seeing the greatness of God showing his goodness towards you. If somebody is good towards you, you love the person because of the God. In 2 Corinthians 12, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I am not strong because I'm strong on my own. I'm strong because Jesus is strong. I'm not successful because of me. I'm successful because Christ is successful on the inside of me. Do you, are you getting the picture this morning, church? I'm just an ordinary bush 
waiting for a touch from heaven to make something ordinary beautiful. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. Can you imagine saying that? I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, when I am weak, when I am weak, when you are weak on Monday, he's strong. When you are weak on Tuesday, when you are weak on Wednesday, when you are weak next month, when you are weak next year, he is strong. It is often our weakness, church, our deficits and our needs that actually drive us into the arms of Jesus. Is that not true? In your weakness and inadequacies, God will show his strength and be made perfect. It's not about your skill and your talent. It's about him. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. It's all about Jesus. It always has been. It always has been. Can I get a little deeper just for one second? Is that okay? Are you ready for this one? I think some of us have amplified our weaknesses so long that we no longer believe that we were created for greatness. Young people, for too long you've amplified your weaknesses and now you cannot believe that you were created for greatness. Your weakness is your strength because your weakness keeps you bound to God. When God calls you, He asks of you what you cannot give on your own. That is the true mark that God's calling is on your life. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Does it make sense? It's not about me like it was never about Moses. In fact, the greater the gap, the greater the glory. Moses was complaining. He killed a man. He didn't know who he was. He's walking in the desert. He comes to God. He's suddenly got a little stutter going on there. He doesn't even have the bravery or the courage to go face Pharaoh. And he doesn't even know who he is. And God is saying, I'm not even interested in answering who you are. Because if you know who I am, you know who you are. The greater the gap between my calling and my weakness, the greater the opportunity for God to be magnified in me. Are you weak this morning? Great. Because then we can rely on Jesus Christ. Amen. He doesn't call the greatest. He equips us. God chooses grace rather than works that no man can boast. When we opened this building, we put a banner outside. And it, on the banner it said, God chooses grace rather than works that no man can boast. Amen. Can you put that banner over your life? God, you choose grace rather than works that I can never boast. God uses the unstable and chooses the overlooked. Do you feel unstable this morning? Guess what? You qualify for God. Do you feel invisible this morning? Guess what, lady? You qualify for God. Do you feel overlooked this morning, young person? Guess what? You qualify for God to be used. Amen? God uses the unusable and chooses the overlooked. In my weakness, His strength is made perfect. Can I tell you a secret about worship? This is not even on my notes. The type of worship you give Him in your weakness, the type of worship you give Him here on earth in your sickness, 
the type of worship you give him here in your struggle, in your challenge, is the only type of worship you'll be able to give him on earth. You will never be able to give that kind of worship in heaven. In heaven, there's no weakness. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there are no challenges. The color of your worship on earth is the only time that your color of worship here on earth can go up to heaven. So when I sing, when I am sad, my color is different to whatever my color would be in heaven one day. My worship can only come from this place while I'm on earth. When I'm weak and I sing, my color of my worship can only come from this earth up to heaven in that color. Because when I get to heaven, I will never be weak. Do you see how profound it is and what an honor it is to sing in every season, to worship in every moment? In your weakness, whoever's sitting here, whatever sadness you're sitting here with, whatever insecurities you're sitting here with, whatever weaknesses you're sitting here with, let me tell you this morning, that qualifies you for God. And this morning we can come in that moment and say, God, this is me. This worship, this color of my worship today is me. And this is the best I can give you today because I know that you are worthy of much, much more. But my worship on earth will always have a different color to what my worship will always be in heaven. And today I give you that worship. I'm closing church. When Moses encountered God at the bush, he hid his face. Scripture says he hid his face from God. But later on, we see when he came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, his face was glowing so that people could not even look at him. The same fire that was on the burning bush was now on Moses. The same fire that was on the burning bush was now on Moses. Draw near. God is asking you, draw near, draw near, draw near. Cut down your idols of self-image, self-opinion, self-will, and draw near. I'm ending with a statement. We are loved by the King of all kings. He chose to lay down his scepter in glory and pick up a wet towel to wash my dirty feet. Can I say that again? We are loved by an almighty God who chose to put down his scepter on the throne in glory and pick up a wet towel to come to this earth to wash my dirty feet. I want to ask you this morning, God is saying, I have the fire, you have the bush, let's meet. Not in a moment, not in a second, not once a week, not once a month, not once a year, let's meet daily. Let's meet daily. Let's get together. Amen. Let's get together and let's meet. Is that okay? Can we pray this morning? Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come as your church, Father. And we can ask you, fire of God, fire of the Almighty, burn in us, Father. 
Take this dry bush, Father, and make it something extraordinary in your hands, Father. We come again, Father, and we take the idols of our self-opinion, of who we think we are, Father, who we think you are, Jesus. Our self-opinion of who we think, how you should do things, Father. And we ask you, forgive us, Lord. Forgive your church, Father, for telling you how to run your service, Father. Forgive your church for telling you how to meet your people, Father. Forgive your church for not giving you, Holy Spirit, the rightful place in a service. We come as the body of Christ and we say, create in us a pure heart, Father, and renew a right spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence, Father, but draw near, Lord. Draw near, Jesus. Draw near Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.